Welcome to Still Pretty, a Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast from Chipperish Media. I'm film scholar with spurty knowledge, Noelle LaCroix. <laughs> and I'm story expert who chose her major in playgroup, Lonnie Diane Rich. And we're here today to talk about The Freshman, the first episode of season four. The Freshman aired on October 5th. 1999 and was written and directed by Joss Whedon. Now, as you all know, Still Pretty is a fully spoiled Buffy podcast. That means that at any moment we can pull in things that happen in the rest of Buffy or things that happen over in Angel the series or things that happen in our personal lives. You never know where we're going to go. <laughs> Whole point is, if you haven't watched all of Buffy and probably all of Angel, then, uh, then maybe you want to go take care of that and then come back. When it's dark and I'm all alone and I'm scared or freaked out or whatever, I always think, what would Buffy do? So let's go on patrol. In The Freshman, Buffy and Willow start their freshman year at UC Sunnydale. Willow is very excited. Oz is playing gigs at the frat houses and Xander is off on his cross-country adventure. Willow and Buffy go to get their books and Buffy accidentally knocks a bunch of books over onto the head of a floppy-haired douchebag whose name we will learn is Riley. Oh, that was bracing. I'm so... The books were just too high and then everything was bad. Let's put a few of these down here. So, uh, are you girls taking intro psych or do you just want me dead? Oh, Riley. I think you know the answer to that. Riley tells them about the famous Dr. Maggie Walsh who teaches the class and he and Willow bond over the professor's work while Buffy is just awkward. Speaking of awkward, Buffy goes to her dorm room and meets Kathy, her super excited roommate. She goes to a class and gets yelled at by the professor and then heads to psych class where she bumps into, uh, Riley. And then... Okay, this is Psych 105, Introduction to Psychology. I'm Professor Walsh. Those of you who fall into my good graces will come to know me as Maggie. Those of you who don't will come to know me by the name my TAs use and think I don't know about, the evil bitch monster of death. Well, that's some foreshadowing for you. Later that night, Buffy bumps into a kid named Eddie, and they share a map to find their way around campus. He tells her that he keeps a copy of On Human Bondage by his bed as a security blanket, and as pickup lines go, it's definitely original. But moments after leaving Buffy, Eddie gets vamped by a gang of vampires led by a blonde girl named Sunday. The vampires go into Eddie's room and empty the place, leaving a note behind that he left school. When he doesn't show up in class, Buffy goes to find him and discovers that his copy of On Human Bondage was left behind. Meanwhile, Sunday and the gang go through Eddie's stuff in their lair. Boring. Ugh, astonishingly boring. We, we have to kill some cooler people. Will somebody remind me? Buffy goes to see Giles at his apartment and finds a British woman named Olivia wearing only his shirt and well done, Giles. Giles comes out wearing a robe and Buffy is not ready for this. She tells him that she suspects there's a gang of vampires working the campus, and Giles tells her she has to learn to handle these things herself. Buffy goes back to campus to patrol and sees Eddie and follows him. She tries to talk to him, but when she realizes he's a vampire, she stakes him. Sunday and her gang step out of the darkness to introduce themselves. Wow, um, I heard you might be coming here. This is, I mean, what a challenge. The Slayer. And you are? Oh, I'm, I'm Sunday. I'll be killing you here in a minute or so. Buffy fights Sunday, but Buffy's lack of confidence shows, and Sunday gets the best of her, hurting her arms, so Buffy runs off. The next day, Buffy goes to visit Joyce and finds that Joyce is using her room to store packing crates for the gallery. Buffy goes back to her dorm to find her stuff gone and a note on her bed saying she'd left school. Buffy goes to the bronze and bumps into Xander and tells him about her fears that she can't cut it in this new life. Let me tell you something. When it's dark and I'm all alone, and I'm scared or freaked out or whatever. I always think, what would Buffy do? You're my hero. Xander pulls Buffy out of her funk, and they go to the school to research Sunday and her gang and figure out their lair is in an old condemned frat house, because of course it is. They watch through the skylight as the vamps play with Buffy's stuff. Buffy sends Xander off to get her weapons chest and then falls through the skylight into the middle of the gang. How am I going to get out of this one? You had a nice setup here. But you made one mistake. What was that? Well, I'm not actually positive, but statistically speaking, people usually make it... 
While Xander gets Willow and Oz to help Buffy, Buffy fights with Sunday and gets her confidence back. Willow, Oz, and Xander come in and take out a few vamps while another runs away. Buffy takes out Sunday with a confident throw of the stake and retrieves her things. As they walk out with her boxes, Giles rushes up to her, carrying weapons. I've been awake all night. I know I'm supposed to teach you self-reliance, but I can't leave you out there to fight alone. Uh, to, to hell with what's right. I, I'm ready to back you up. Let's find the evil and, 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 and fight it together. Great. Thanks. We'll get right on that. The evil is this way? Later, the vampire who got away gets teased and brought down by a group of military commando guys. So, welcome to season four. All right, so Noel, here we are. It's season four. We're in a whole new space. We've got the new sets at the campus. Uh, the high school is gone. We've moved into this whole new space with Buffy and her friends. What do you think? Uh... <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I actually really like this episode. I like it a lot. There's a lot mm -hmm. of really good stuff in it. And when I was revisiting it, I was quite um, chilled by something that is supposed to be funny that just yeah. it just okay i'm going to i'm going to talk about campus rape okay like <laughs> this is all right all right so i guess i guess trigger warning yeah. uh we can put this in here for anybody who may be upset by the discussion of rape culture on college campuses or rape culture in general you may want to skip ahead i'd say probably about 5 minutes i think we'll probably get through this <laughs> i'll wrap quickly, this up but, quick i promise yeah. but okay so <laughs> The quad, so Buffy walking through the quad is this fantastic mm -hmm. sequence where she is completely overwhelmed. People yeah. are lunging at her with flyers, um, including this fraternity guy, free jello shots mm -hmm. for freshman women at the Alpha Del party. And yeah. I'm just like, I mean, yeah. fraternity, okay, fraternities are a plague. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and uh -huh. say that. That's my opinion. Um, but I mean, round of disturbed applause for this actor and his smarm, because, you know, sure. like, mm -hmm. the way he delivers mm -hmm. that line, you absolutely know what the free jello shots for freshman women thing is about. Well, I mean, that's what it is. That's what jello shots, I mean, are specifically like designed to have that kind of uh, staggered effect, right? Because you're you're taking in the jello shots, you're taking in the alcohol, but your body has to process the jello shots. So it's like a delayed effect. So a lot of times, you know, people will have a jello shot. They won't feel it. They'll have another. They won't feel it. Then they'll have another. And by that time, they've got so much alcohol in their system that when it hits, it hits hard. And the fact that this is commonly used, I mean, jello shots, fruity drinks, like these are things that are used to target mm -hmm. women, right? Guys like beer, right? Women, we do jello shots to get the women drunk. Why do we want the women drunk? Because then their inhibitions are down. They're more likely to say yes, or they're, or they're less likely to fight you off if they. Or they're don't more likely to pass to, out. You know? They're more likely to pass out. Pass out. Um, yeah. But yeah, the deal. I mean, obviously, the deal with Jello shots is they're ridiculously easy to make with ridiculously cheap booze, yes. cheap bad booze, and the mm -hmm. sugar in the Jello um, masks the taste of alcohol. And then when you when you solidify, they're not really solid. Solid-ish. When you when you have alcohol yeah. in a solid-ish form. It doesn't dissolve as much mm -hmm. on your tongue. So it's really, really easy yeah. to just, they just go down super, super smooth. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. you know, this is, so we have this, we have this gross dude being gross and we sort of know, like, mm -hmm. like he's, you know, this actor does a great job with his one little line. Um, and then. Yeah. <laughs> But it's terrible though because it's free gel. It's not free Jello shots. It's free Jello shots freshmen, for freshmen, women, because women. like that yeah. is disturbing and textual rape culture right yep. there. Like I don't care what your argument is, there is no argument against that being blatant yeah, rape so culture. Yeah. So then you know, then Willow swoops in, and I I love mm -hmm. you know I love it. You know she says. I've heard about five different issues and I'm angry about each and every one of them <laughs> with this giant grin. And then they trade yes. notes. Then the, then Buffy and Willow compare flyers. She says, and Willow says, I didn't get jello shots. I'll trade you for take back the night, which is oh God. beyond chilling. It's supposed to be funny. Yeah. 
And I'm like, I, I take back the night, of course, is the worldwide effort to combat sexual violence um, and violence against women and take back the night, Mm -hmm. you know, historically um, happened on college campuses, you know, to Mm -hmm. raise awareness of campus rape and sexual assault. So this, this idea, I can't like, I just, it aligning these two things in a joke. That's yeah. Like that is, it's almost like, it's like there was the punch in the face for the free jello shots for freshman mm-hmm. women. Then there's the, oh, I didn't get jello shots. Yeah. Um, as though it's, it's a, a compliment, compliment to be targeted. As though it's yes. right. And then the left hook of, I'll trade you for take back the night. All of this together is such a horrible swarm of killer bee things. It's terrible. And it happens so quickly. And it's done in this really yes. charming way. And that is just the, mm-hmm. that is you know, the the poison of this kind of yeah. writing. And then there's this, you know, because we got to do a three beat, right? We got to do the, we got to do oh, the sure, campus rape sure three beat. Do. So Oz's friend Paul shows up and that whole interaction is funny. You know, Oz knows his way around. Yeah. He knows what what all is happening. I it's know. so great. We'll talk about Oz yeah. in a minute. Um, but, <laughs> you know, Paul says of the Alpha Delta party, I'm bringing the wrecking crew, Jello shots, uh-huh. Is I mean, that feels like I understand the idea of like the wrecking crew being like the, you know, the gang's all here, like all the guys who like to go out and party. But then. Right. They're going to get drunk and they're going to tear the place apart. But in the context of everything else right in that mm-hmm. space. Like, yeah, right. it's the mm-hmm. there's like it's those <laughs> it's those small moments that have really, really chilling undertones that get yeah. me and i just like yeah the the trading the trading the the frat flyer for the take back the night frat, mm-hmm. i just mm-hmm, i'm so yeah. uncomfortable <laughs> like, it is it's all really really uncomfortable and it it and the thing is that he's like i'm bringing the re- wrecking crew and then he's like Jello yeah. shots, you know and and so the all of these things clearly and cleanly associated with each other in a way that i do not think is deliberate which almost makes it worse because it's it's rape culture is so seeped into our consciousness that it is just associated with college culture that it is aligned so clearly that like you can't talk about college without having all of these these assault and rape insinuations that are played as Mm -hmm. funny and Mm -hmm. fun and a good time for everybody involved especially those freshman women you know, who are being looked at, you know, in a very predatory manner. So all of this stuff put together um, makes me feel real good about my youngest daughter going off to college in a couple of weeks. So I'm, I'm feeling good about that. Yeah. Um, I've already talked to her about jello shots. We're good. <laughs> um, but <clears throat> but it's, you know, I mean, it's it's disturbing and disturbing even more so in the fact that it comes off with such incredible innocence and mm-hmm. fun. You know, with it, with it, that tone not being, um, you know, not having the dark shadows that that are are there. Yeah. The dark shadow of the episode actually ends up being mm-hmm. Buffy's feeling like she can't cut it. You know, she was she yeah. was a big ish fish in a small ish pond. I mean, yeah. she she knew mm-hmm. she was in her groove. You know, and she was right. mm-hmm. class protector, which is so sweet and wonderful. Which is sweet. And then she comes to college, she's completely overwhelmed. The way that, that um, you know, rape jokes aside, the way that quad scene is filmed mm-hmm. is yeah. lovely. Mm-hmm. It is so... Yes. So mm-hmm. the experience of being in that kind of crowded, high energy environment where mm-hmm. there are a million yep. things going on and... I'm definitely in the wrong place. I don't know where I'm supposed to be. You know, <laughs> I just like yeah. that. That piece of it is really, really fantastic. Yeah. And yeah, the but to have that kind of, you know, it doesn't it's a it's a rape joke three beat that doesn't pay off because that's not what we're doing. We're just building the campus. We're just building right. the culture of a college campus as opposed to. Yeah folding that into the story um 
And exactly. that to yeah. me is what makes that one that that to me is what makes any joke that is kind of, you know, the dark underbelly of a situation. Um mm-hmm. Right. More or less effective. You know, for me personally, like Mm -hmm. if we're joking about something that's really dark, but then we address that dark issue later on, Mm -hmm. I almost feel like, okay, like the the joke, it's like um, it's like a Chekhov's gun thing (laughs) as opposed to just as opposed to just, you know, having the joke be campus rape, you know, like that's right. That's not a joke. That's not a, it's not a no, joke. No. You didn't have to do it. And then, okay, as long as I'm staking things, to borrow your phrase yes, from no, Still Dead. Yes, no, go. From Still Willow's Dead, right. Yes. fucking spurty knowledge thing. Uh, it's so uh, fucking uh, written. Uh, and it's so written by yes. a man. And I yes. just. Yes. Like, yes, you're very funny. You don't. That's not an accidental metaphor that well, you use. And no. like. No, it's so written. It is so obviously written Mm -hmm. by a man for a woman to say. And I just, I hate it. I hate Mm -hmm. it. I hate 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 it. Okay. (laughs) I completely support that. I I found it really annoying too. Um, And especially because like it started out as something where she could have stopped herself you know, but then when she's like, and thrust into my brain with its thir- <laughs> with its birdy knowledge, I was like, you've got to be fucking kidding me with this. Like, I don't know. Um, yeah, that was uh, that was bad. I think that was something like the the campus rape stuff is something in the '90s. You would have been like, yeah, okay, yeah. you know. But like the like that is even something that I think in the '90s people would be rolling their eyes at. It's just it's just really really bad. Um, so yeah, but aside from that though, aside from this from Willow, like everything Willow in this episode is a goddamn delight. <laughs> I love seeing Willow in her element. I love her being so excited about school. I love her being nerdy about all the classes like I remember what that felt like when you were looking at your I mean I'm that nerd like I would get so excited about all these things I was going to learn about and all these like new things that I could get classes in that like when you're in in high school you're very limited in the classes that you can choose but when you get to college like you can meet your requirements learning about things that you're actually excited about and that is college is amazing I mean it honestly is one of the best times like for everybody I think like at least at least nerdy people who are really into like learning new shit like that's which is why it should be Um, federally funded and free for everybody okay that's (laughs) yes absolutely education's the silver bullet number one issue on which we have to if we vote on education everything else will fall into place but anyway long story short uh willow's fantastic her hair i love her spiky new hairdo i love how cool she is i love how she's you know she's gone from being this like really awkward nerdy type you know in the high school to uh, to being in control and being like you know the big woman on campus and she knows her shit i love it i love all of it i think it's fantastic they've even given her a little bit of a lift in her shoe i don't think yeah i was she She seems taller taller. yeah i was never aware of allison hannigan being taller than sarah michelle geller but no, in the, in you know season four episode one Willow is you know she is large and in charge. Yeah. I mean she's yeah so oh gosh she's so great in her confidence. I and I love her. I love her trying to be Buffy's like academic doula. You know you I could take know. oh you could take this class oh you could take this class. It's yes. I I mean I was also that nerd. I'm still it's that so nerd. Fun. Are you kidding right? me? Like I'm like. <laughs> still that nerd um i love i love seeing willow so excited about being in college Uh it's just delightful and it makes me want to go back to college (laughs) i know doesn't it it? you look at college i go to college every day because i work at a college but i still don't feel that like when i watch this i feel Mm -hmm. what that was like you know um it's it's so fantastic i love it and we spend a lot of time it's really you know i talked a little bit about the moving through the quad opening scene but when willow and Mm -hmm. buffy start to walk together we walk with them, which is really nice. The camera yeah. just kind of comes with them. Yeah. And we spend a lot of time in front of them. So we're actually moving backwards and they're coming toward us. Yeah. Which has this really, mm-hmm. really lovely effect of feeling like 
we're part of the group, but also getting to see their facial expressions and see that, you know, Mm -hmm. that excitement from Willow and the kind of, you know, uncomfortable um, feeling of being disoriented from Buffy. Yeah. And then that reveal Mm -hmm. with the library where we swing the camera around and we get to, I think there's a little bit of a fisheye lens happening too to make it yeah just i think like so too fast mm-hmm. and we really get that giving us that wider yeah shot. that yeah. sense mm-hmm. of awe at you know mm-hmm. every like, and it's every, so it's beautiful, beautiful and i love willow being like i didn't want to hurt child's feelings <laughs> but aside from the cult there wasn't much of a selection <laughs> she's just so into all of it i love it so much i, I love know. it she's i love so it i love it sweet. poor so buffy sweet. though oh man like mm-hmm. when when Oz joins up with Willow and Buffy as they're walking along and Buffy makes this bid for connection, like, please tell me you're overwhelmed too. And Oz is like, yes. oh yeah, it's super overwhelming. And then is completely, <laughs> completely smooth, you know, knows where everything yeah. is, is waving to people, points everyone in the right directions. <laughs> and then is yeah. so, you know, in his like lovely Ozian way, is like, oh yeah, but it's all super yeah. new. <laughs> like, Exactly. But he's been playing gigs on campus mm-hmm. for ages. Like he, you know, he knows all this stuff. So, um, yeah, it's really, really fun. I love, I love the challenge of Buffy being out of her element. I love that we give her this crisis of confidence in this new space. I think that's a wonderful way to kind of like transition us from, you know, the high school story, which we got in the first three seasons, to this new space that we're in, which is more of the adult Buffy story, you know, or the adult-ish mm-hmm. Buffy story, you know. Um, And so I love that we have her, you know, feeling isolated, feeling challenged, not feeling like the Slayer and what that confidence does, you know, what, what, how powerful confidence is, because she has all these capabilities. She hasn't lost her capabilities, not like helpless, where Mm -hmm. she suddenly doesn't have the strength of a Slayer anymore. It's totally a head game. You know, it's in her confidence. She's got the yips, Mm -hmm. you know. And um, and so it's really kind of nice to see her put in that kind of challenge, kind of isolated. Um, you know, she has this roommate, <laughs> like this weirdo, super excited roommate who loves Celine Dion, you know, which, um, which is wonderful. Like, again, you know, like again, with like the casual misogyny that like if a, if a, mm-hmm. a young woman likes it, it must be mockable. Um, now, yes. having a roommate mm-hmm. who snores and smacks her lips in the night is not great. But having yeah. a roommate who has, you know, who likes pop music, what, whatever, yeah. guys. Like, what? I mean, yeah. No, there is a lot of, you know, you're right. There is a lot of taste shaming that goes on, especially at a college campus. And honestly, taste shaming is the, like, you know, kind of like the, the area of the insecure. People who have to taste shame other people for the things that they like. And I mean, let's not, you know, let's not dick around, right? Chipperish media, our whole theme is right. love what you love. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, taste shaming is something that you do when you're insecure about your yourself and your, you know, intellectual abilities or whatever, or your own tastes, you know, and so you, you make fun of other people. Um, that said... I did love the shot where Kathy oh, puts up the great. Celine Dion poster and then grins back over her shoulder. She's it's so, so happy. Great. You know, like, so Especially kind of because mm-hmm. we framed this as, you know, we have this idea, this little undercurrent of coolness that runs yeah. through the episode. Yeah. So, you know, she says, Kathy says to Buffy, you're cool, I can tell. And then plasters cool, her Celine Dion poster on the wall. And I'm just like... <laughs> I love, I love Kathy. I love, I love the moment too, where Oz and Willow are in there trying to figure out what happened with Buffy and Willow's like, she doesn't just leave. Well, except for that one time, but there were circumstances and Kathy's like, wait a minute, does she have emotional problems? Because I specifically asked for a stable non-smoker. And I was like, (laughs) I loved that. Yep. I, I, I actually kind of love Kathy. I feel sort of, I kind of love Kathy too. Probably. Probably because partly I was a little bit of that in college that like super excited Uh to be here and just like so, you know, stoked to meet everybody and. Right. I also really like, honestly, I think enthusiasm is one of the most attractive qualities in a person and especially enthusiasm that is that will not be shamed. We'll put up Celine Dion and tell you to (laughs) fuck off. Like I, I love 
enthusiasm in people. Honestly, if people are enthusiastic about something, generally, I don't care what it is. If they are so excited that they will talk my ear off for 45 minutes about this thing, like I love it. And I usually by the end of the conversation, I'm like, oh my God, you're right. Monarch butterflies are so cool. <laughs> you know, um, I get that way too. Like enthusiasm ends up being infectious and it is such a, what a wonderful thing to feel. What a wonderful emotion to have. Enthusiasm. Like, it is a joyful experience. So for me, when somebody shares their enthusiasm with me, it's like somebody coming up to you and giving you like a wonderful glass of wine or a big box of chocolates. It's so awesome, you know? So um, so we use enthusiasm to, uh, to make fun of people because cool, yeah. right? Cool is the opposite of enthusiastic. Cool is like, yeah, I'm, I'm chill, whatever. I don't care. You know, cool is also running away from vulnerability. Cool is, um, cool isn't cool. Cool is stupid. I hate cool. I hate cool people. Except Oz. Um, we love Oz. Except Oz. Well, Oz is cool in a different way. Because he's still like, he loves his music, he loves Willow, he's still emotionally invested in things. He's not using his cool to avoid vulnerability. His cool comes from his ability to stay calm, right? You know, like when Willow's like, how can you be so calm? And he's like, years of arduous practice. That's you know, like, brilliant. he's. That is a brilliant line, by the way. I know. Oz is the goddamn best. I love Oz. Um, so, I, I, you know, Oz is cool is a different kind of cool from the self-protective, I'm not going to like anything because that makes me vulnerable kind of cool. I'm going to mock other people's uh, enthusiasm, other people's music choices, other people's whatever, because they have the bravery to actually love something and care about it. And I'm too worried about how I come off to people like um, that kind of cool is bullshit. No, Oz, Oz cool. I, maybe there needs to be a different word. Yeah, you know? it's tricky. Maybe Oz is chill. I don't know what Oz is, <laughs> but I love, I love yeah. the exchange between Oz and Xander when Xander says, "Do oh, we hug?" Yeah. And Oz, <laughs> no, says, we're too manly. I think we're, I think we're too manly. And it's this <laughs> lovely, self-aware, yeah, moment between them. Of, I know because I think, I think a hug between them would be warranted except for the the past that they have you know the history that they have no i think they're completely over it and i actually also kind of object to the idea that you know men don't hug men don't have affection for like i have a whole thing which i'm not going to go into now but like the damage that we do to men by not allowing them to safely express just affection for yeah. each other to safely express emotions whatever they are you know um i think that's that's very very damaging to men um and why i think at the at the core root of a lot of the problems that we have with with men and violence i think comes from that 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 bottling up of whatever emotion i would have loved to have seen xander hug oz instead of throw himself over a woman he has never met um, and then hold her while he says, I don't know you, do yeah. I? This is awkward, isn't it? Um, you know, yeah, don't don't touch somebody. Don't <laughs> hug somebody unless you know them. You know they're a hugger. And if you just, if you're at the point where it's like your first hug with somebody, you say, hey, are you a hugger? Is that okay? You know, um, I'm a hugger and that's fine. But like you have to like allow people that space. Some people are not huggers and do not want to be touched <laughs> by your big grabby hands, Xander. <laughs> well, and it's so funny because I just, I don't, know why I I give that moment a pass but I really do I think because Xander is yeah. so enthusiastic and I do love Xander and th from this point forward Xander's I, I like Xander, well, okay. okay no I hate I hate a lot of Xander I hate Xander with Anda. Anya but <laughs> everything else like I love we'll get there. <laughs> I love pep talk Xander I love inspirational Xander all that kind of stuff but anyway yeah I understand why you give him a pass I don't yeah, it makes I mean, me really uncomfortable when he grabs this woman that he doesn't know like it, you know yeah because for the joke and it's very very again it's very written it's a yes. very written and joke. I think you Honestly, know? I think that's probably why I feel okay with it because it feels mm -hmm. very written. It feels very safe. Um, yeah, maybe. it doesn't mm -hmm. feel. It doesn't feel assaulty in the way that a, yeah. an unexpected hug from a stranger, like no, a hug that you then hold no. while talking in her ear yeah. and saying, "I don't know, I don't you, know do you, I? Do I? This is really interesting, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah. yeah, it fucking is. Let her go." If you've already realized that, you have to realize that in order to vocalize it. So let her let her go, you know. Um, <laughs> but the the but, yeah. Xander frozen, but it is also cute. Like yeah. the Xander frozen mm -hmm. in his moment of 
enthusiasm yes, of totally works for me. And then to have that <laughs> that bit with Oz where yeah. I don't think it's about I don't think Oz literally means we're too manly to hug, as in men don't hug. Uh I think he is trying to protect Xander from his own vulnerability. Like, Xander, I think Xander and Oz would like to hug. I think that that's a little bit of like, I... I I think Xander and Oz could cuddle and take a nap and it would just be fine. (laughs) What's that? Tylenol PM and warm milk? Oh God! And now we're back to Jello shots. Yeah, so, and and gay um, panic and friends. That and was a friends panic. Rep- yes, that was a friends. Not reference. A, this yes. is not a friends um, podcast. <laughs> it's not. It's not. But it could be because we'll spoil the fuck out of anything. Like we don't care. We don't care. We will spoil any '90s television show that you can name. And, we will spoil and it. probably some classic movies that if you haven't seen, oh, you know. Sure. <laughs> oh, sure. Oh, sure. Yes. Um, all right. So uh, we also have a moment where we uh, are introduced to the original floppy haired douchebag. Yes. The floppy haired douchebag is um, an archetype that I have <laughs> a term that I have coined for this archetypal uh, character who is the charming, you know, so funny, so cute, so witty, uh, you know, like overly written, always, always overly written. Well, that was bracing. Like this is, this is, you know, Riley. Riley is the OHFD, the original floppy haired douchebag. He is the guy that I named this, uh, this idea for. And the floppy haired douchebag does show up almost everywhere, especially, especially in teen dramas in the nineties. Um, (laughs) But honestly, though, like Riley in this episode is not that bad. I I liked Riley in the beginning. Like, I love that he's all academically excited with Mm -hmm. Willow. And when he sees Buffy, I love that he refers to her as Willow's friend because Buffy is I mean, okay, first of all, this is, you know, they're all strikingly beautiful. Like, let's not say that Willow is not a freaking knockout because she is right. But Willow is not portrayed that way. Willow is portrayed as the nerdy academic and Buffy is, you know, the pretty beautiful one that everybody falls in love mm-hmm. with. Right. You know, what I mean, yeah. that's kind of like how how this how this is portrayed. So I like the fact that Riley with Buffy's unbelievable beauty right in his face is like, oh, you're Willow's friend because he was all excited about talking to Willow about, you know, psychology and Maggie Walsh and all of that stuff. And that was the connection that he made. So I liked that, you know, he's he's overwritten in the beginning. The books fall on his head. Yeah, that's bracing. Are you taking the class or did you just want me dead? Like all of that kind of, it is classic, classic floppy haired douchebag. Like that's classic floppy haired douchebag material. But <laughs> I kind of like, I, I, I kind of like him in this episode. Like the Riley yeah. hate is not here yet. It's coming. It's coming. <laughs> but it's not here yet. <laughs> I have, I have very mixed feelings on Riley. Like always. Yes. Always, always, always. Uh-huh. Um, partly because I just get so distracted by Mark Blucas's yeah. like beautiful, beautiful self that I'm like, oh, oh okay. Yeah. Yes, Riley, whatever you say. Oh, are you Riley. pulled in by the pretty? He's so pretty, Lonnie. He's so <laughs> he pretty. Really pretty. He is, he is so pretty. I love I love a pretty, pretty man. I'm sorry. Mm. Um yeah. it's a problem for me. I don't trust pretty men. <laughs> I have yeah. a problem with Yeah, I mean, men. I don't. <laughs> oh, I didn't say I trusted them. I just, <laughs> I'm just very attracted to them. I'm very drawn I to them. I get it. And you know I what? Have, That's okay. Yeah, I have yeah. Um, questionable taste occasionally. Um, but no, Riley, in this episode, <laughs> occasionally. Yeah. Occasionally I do. Sometimes mm-hmm. I get it right. Mm-hmm. Hey. Um, yeah, you do. But Riley in this episode is, I mean, he is kind of adorable in his pro academia way like i love i love uh-huh. the way he tells buffy to have fun in class <laughs> she's going to sit down he's like have fun i'm like what a weird but adorable thing to say to someone but it is fun though class is so fun. fun but not so it's not a thing that people say in the world like you wouldn't send someone oh. off to i mean i would but I generally would. speaking i don't know <laughs> But yeah, most people don't. But mm-hmm. yeah, and I love I love Riley's relationship with Maggie Walsh. I yeah. love his sort of like I don't know. It's a little it's a little hero worshipy, but also yeah. there's that power mm-hmm. dynamic 
that we find out so much more mm-hmm. about that I really love. Um, yeah. And I mean, speaking of questionable taste, like Maggie Walsh, you guys, yeah. I'm going to be honest with everyone <laughs> right now. <laughs> season four. It's a season of honesty. Maggie Walsh is the kind of teacher I usually have the biggest intellectual heart on for. So please, like, please keep me in check. Lonnie, everyone, oh please keep me in check. Mm-hmm. Call me out if I'm, like, blindsided by her bullshit because my <laughs> desire to take her and her lesbian haircut to bed for the weekend is so intense. Like, it's I can't. Okay, I love it. I love that you love Maggie Walsh because I fucking hate Maggie Walsh. From minute one, I hate Maggie Walsh. She's obnoxious. I hate her whole attitude. (laughs) I hate everything about her. Um, But I also like, we also have this, though, like this dickish professor thing going on. You know, we've got the guy from the pop culture class, and I'm not going to lie. I take it personally. I teach a pop culture class. And you know what? When somebody comes into my class who's not on the list, I say, hey, hang out if you like the class sign this paper mm. and magically you will be because you can add a class it's so you know? weird <laughs> it's a thing it's, that no, it's people do just, what it's just <sighs> this dickish thing like from that professor in you know this this big lecture oh, hall and, and also and also hey blonde girl fuck you dude like yeah that is so, I don't know, it's so demeaning and it's so, like, insulting. And I'm insulted both, like, you know, from the perspective of the students that that's bullshit and that's abuse and that's not how professors should be mm-hmm. speaking to anybody. Um, but also, like, as a professor, like, I teach, I'm really super nice to people. Like, I don't do that to students because that's mean and dickish. And I'm sure there are professors, you know, I'm trying to remember Oh, I've back. had, I've had that you know. professor. Like, I, I don't think I've had I that have professor. had that professor. Like, I have known of that professor. I yes. That professor that scene hits me yeah. hard in the like academic shame Ooh. feels because I'm like, oh. I know this guy. Like I know this guy. Yes, but academic shame. Oh my God. Like all shaming is oh, bad. It's... We're gonna get to the fat shaming in just a second because I'm pissed <laughs> off about that too. Um but like academic shame to me shaming somebody who is in an environment to learn, which is a very vulnerable environment. Yes. You know? To shame somebody in that circumstance makes my flames <laughs> on the side of my face like <laughs> That somebody who's trying to learn and you shame them like, no, that's not how it works. You know, and I mean, it's one thing to have a class where you have expectations, you know, where you say you will be here on time. You will be professional. You will not Mm -hmm. be on your phone. You will not be like, I do that stuff. You know, you just have to lay down boundaries and expectations on the first day. But when people come in and they want to take your class, you know, I mean, good freaking God, what a I, that was terrible. So I'm very, very sorry that you had that experience. And I am going back in time to curse whoever those assholes are who shame people who are trying yeah. to learn. Because well, and that. it's ridiculous mm-hmm. because a lot of times I think certainly in academic environments, it comes from that like, well, I'm the big professor and you're the little student. It's like, dude, you were a student oh, it's, at one point, you know? Exactly. Like, and it's intellectual insecurity. It's just all that is. Any professor who is secure in themselves and in their, what they have to offer and in their knowledge and their intelligence doesn't do that shit, you know? And again, it's different from laying down boundaries in a class. Yeah. I also think it's just kind of hilarious and perfect that it's the pop culture professor who has like all of this deep insecurity about the like the seriousness of what he's teaching that he has to because nobody takes that serious yeah he has Mm -hmm. to like Mm -hmm. inflate himself in this way by you know being a pompous asshole anyway anyway shaming shaming is bullshit and it says more about the person doing it than the person on the receiving end so Yes, yes, it does. So if anybody has shamed you, it's not about you. It's about them and their insecurities. Speaking of which, um, so we move into, we got a couple incidences of fat shaming, one of which comes from Sunday, who is an evil vampire. So, okay, fine. When the, the other vampire says, does this, does this make me look fat? And she goes, no, the fact that you're fat makes you look fat. This just makes you look purple. Um, like, it's, you know, it's a shitty thing to say, but it's coming though? from an evil vampire see yeah. okay when she says the fact that you're fat makes you look but that's fat. just factual like i mean and i'm not 
I'm not, she says it in a mean way and it's meant to be mean, but I don't think that, like, I don't know. I'm a big, I'm a big proponent of like taking fat as a descriptive word and not as something that has a negative connotation. Now, later on when our, our fat vampire who's like the the smallest fat possible because of course she is still female and still has she's to be, hollywood fat she's, she's like a size 10 fuck yeah off. it's like yeah, it's exactly. obnoxious um but yeah. you know later when she says i'm hungry and sunday says uh, you know something like of course you are or that's a surprise or you know something snarky yeah that is fat shaming but i think that mm-hmm. i actually really like the that just makes you look purple. <laughs> like line, it's mean. It's mean. We're doing the yeah. mean girl thing. But I mean, mm-hmm. I want to let's poke some holes in the idea that clothing is supposed to make us look as thin as possible. That flattering clothing right. is really just mm-hmm. code for oh, it makes you look thin. Um, that thin right. is somehow yes. you know. Thin is somehow mm-hmm. the thing, and that like looking right. fat is the worst possible thing, second only to actually being fat. I'm, I mean, that's where the fat right. shaming in this line comes in. But I yeah. like personally enjoy the the notion that no, it doesn't like you can. Right. And if if it was if it was done in a way that didn't have shame rippling through every element of it, then I would I would see because I see like saying that somebody is fat is like saying somebody is tall or somebody is short or somebody has blonde hair. Like it's just like part of you know how their their body is, you know, and and the association of fat with being wrong and being shameful you know, um, is something that we have so deeply ingrained into our culture that I don't think that you, I mean, you know, take back the word fat. Yeah, that's definitely something that you can do. But the fact of the matter is that fat in and of itself is a hugely shaming term. And it, it, it cannot be separated from its cultural connotation. I don't think, I don't think you can take back. Fat. Well, I don't, I think that fat is always going to be something that is going to be, it shouldn't be. And I think you're right in the idealism of that idea. Um, but I don't think that you can separate it from that cultural connotation. Well, I personally, I mean, just to be clear, I personally cannot reclaim fat because I move through the world as a thin person, um, uh-huh. by which I mean, like, the world is set up for me, um, people my mm-hmm. size. But, um, I mean, there are, fat activism is a thing. Um, fat activism is actually yeah. where the body positive movement started um yes. which mm-hmm. you know everybody can read up on because body positive is not meant to be you know love your body um it's meant mm-hmm. to be rights and and fair you know equal treatment and respect yeah. for people of size that is what yes. <laughs> that's what yeah. body positivity is supposed to be fat liberation look it up, read about it. But mm-hmm. yes, I'm, I'm pro. Also, I'm just pro fat vampires. Like, could we have some more body I diversity among vampires? Oh, on television? No. no. 20 years ago? We absolutely cannot. not. What do you know? We cannot. Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, yeah. Um, we, we got, we get a little bit more, you know, as we, but even <laughs> so, like uh, Hollywood fat is seriously like a size 10. You know, I it's mean, like, and so it's it, ridiculous. It's disturbing. It's disturbing. And it, it contributes to a lot of our cultural problems with fat. Um, but all of this, you know, being from the mean girl, being from Sunday, the evil vampire, like, you know, all right, fair enough. Like, she's supposed to be a bitch. Yeah. She's evil. She's a demon. It's fine. <laughs> but then Buffy, we have Buffy watching from above as they're looking at her clothes. And she says, that's my skirt. You're never going to fit into that with that with mm-hmm. those hips. Right. And she is throwing like a fat shaming insult at you know at whichever vampire was holding up the, i have no idea if it's it was the, if it was the heavier yeah, vampire no it's or not. Sunday. No, sunday who is so we're so we're fat shaming sunday right and just like that being the choice like okay that being the choice of insult to go from woman to hashtag woman written by a man like also <laughs> hashtag mm, written by a man yeah it feels there you i go. mean yeah. which is not to say that women don't fat shame women Women do this to each other all you know the time. it's not yeah. to say that it doesn't happen but it feels it feels um lazy it feels like lazy writing like oh yeah of course you yeah. know we're gonna have a line about how buffy is thinner than her 
you know, mm-hmm. than the, the villain of the week. And that makes her better and that makes her superior fucked because up. she's smaller. It's fucked up. Yeah. It's so fucked up. It is. It is. This is why women are such a mess. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway. this, this is this is like this is just a teeny tiny micro just a, just a sprinkling, just a light patriarchal yes. glaze on why women are a mess. Exactly. <laughs> why women are fucked oh up because God. our culture hates us. Yes, misogyny is in the culture. Don't tell me it's not in the culture. I'm not going to have that argument. <laughs> anyway, um, I think maybe it's time to take a little break and talk about our uh, our Patreon support. All right. This episode of Still Pretty is brought to you by UC Sunnydale. UC Sunnydale offers programs in all the major academic disciplines, as well as the exciting possibility that a vampire might eat you before midterms. UC Sunnydale, providing equal opportunity education for people and demons since 1886. Hey, isn't Clive supposed to be doing these for us? Where is Clive anyway? Tell me he's in jail. I'll tell you about it later. But if you're not into sponsoring education, you could give your money directly to Chipperish Media so that we can keep making the great podcasts you love. Lonnie. Like Still Dead about Angel the Series, Listen Up A-Holes about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Orgasm about Explosive Inspiration, our Star Wars podcast, Metaphors Be With You, and of course, How Story Works, a primer podcast on basic narrative theory. Lonnie. What? Where's Clive? Lonnie? I fixed the leak in the bathroom sink and I'm about to head to the store. Is there anything I should add to the list? Clive, I'm recording. Oh, so sorry. I'll bugger off then. See you later. Oh, tampons! Right, right. Adding to the list. He's still there. Visit patreon.com slash chipperish to find out more. Seriously? We're not going to talk about this. He fixes things. He runs errands. You know I hate going to the grocery store. Lonnie, where is he sleeping? The basement. Oh, dear God. God, I hope that's not a euphemism. All right, so I think it's maybe time that we start talking about Xander. How about we talk about Xander? Let's talk about Xander. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> <God>. <laughs> so you know, we talked a bit about light Xander and shadow Xander and kind of how we've had this war um, between the two of them during the high school years. And now we're kind of getting this new, oh God, this new shade of Xander, which I really, really love, which is inspirational pep talk you know, counselor Xander, um, you know, where he can be the one. And this is something that like we've been, we're building up and we're going to build up through the next, you know, four seasons. Um, This idea of Xander being the one who sees Xander being the one who can kind of isolate where the problems are, can counsel you through your issues, can talk you through things, can inspire you and make you feel ready to go out and just take on the world, you know? Um, And this is like my favorite flavor of Xander. I, I love this guy. I love when he sits down with her and he says, you know, when I'm scared, when I'm afraid, I ask myself, what would Buffy do? You're my hero, you know? Um, And also like it brings in this idea of hero worship from Xander, which I think feeds into his relationship with Buffy. Like in the, in the first like high school years, the first definitely two seasons and, you know, a hint maybe in the third, although I think we dropped it. Like he's got this, you know, sexual romantic interest in Buffy and sees her, you know, as as the girl who didn't want him. Right. You know, who rejected him or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But now we move into this this hero worship where Xander sees Buffy as the hero, you know, that she is. Of course she is, you know, Um, but that he really recognizes that and that that's what he does. He looks up to her, you know, um, he idolizes her. Uh, he asks himself, what would Buffy do, right? And that is such a sweet and touching thing. Um, but I think it's going to also add an interesting element as we move forward through the series to their relationship, to the way that he sees her, to what happens when he's disappointed in her. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's it's really, really interesting. And of course, Xander follows it up because this was written by Joss Whedon uh, with the Shadow Xander, classic Shadow Xander line. Sure, sometimes I think, what is Buffy wearing? You know, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, it doesn't bother me so much here because it almost feels self-aware. It almost feels like he's doing that joke to kind of cut that that huge emotional moment to make it a little more comfortable for her and to take himself down. It feels rather than aggressive toward her. It feels self-deprecating toward Shadow Xander, toward gross Xander. Um, and he seems aware of it. I don't know. How did you read that? I I can go both ways with that. I didn't. Mm-hmm. I didn't love that whole like Xander ex machina scene in the bronze. I was Uh not like, I appreciate what's happening there. And I like where that is going. You know, like every, basically everything you just said. Yes. And um, I'm also just, it 
feels, again, it feels super written. It feels really clunky. Uh And I like the idea, well, I like the idea of Xander using some like self-deprecating humor to Mm -hmm. kind of undercut the vulnerability of the situation for both of them. Yeah. Um, I just like, really? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like you had to spoil the moment with this like, you know what is Buffy, you know, when I'm, when I'm alone in the dark, what is Buffy wearing? Like, no, no. You know, and she says, can that be one of the things you never tell me about? Right. But, and it's clearly like, they're both smiling and it's clearly Mm -hmm. a, like a companionable moment between them. Mm -hmm. But uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't love it. I don't love it. Although I do, there is Xander that I love in this Mm -hmm. episode. I love them. I love them in research mode together. Oh, yes. God damn. This is so good. I know. And I love that he's the one who picked it up. He was like, 1982, I have that right here. And let me just show you, I have the whole history of this frat house and I figured it all out. I like that moment of capability for Xander. Yeah, that he knows what to do. Yeah. He knows, and he's very cute about mm-hmm. like, wait, there are vampires? Like, where is everybody? Rally the troops. Let's go. Let's do this thing. And, yeah. you know, he's, I like I like him as the encourager. Yeah. I like him as the, you know, you got this. Right. And I'm here to help you guy. But the, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. This, yeah. it, like, it, it, very, it feels very... Xander X Machina in that yeah. scene in the bronze. I also don't buy his story about where he was. Uh, like I right. don't. Uh uh-uh. uh. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> well, that that story also feels incredibly written. So you know, written. I mean, and this so is the written. thing with Joss Whedon is that Joss Whedon is a brilliant writer, but he does fall into this space. Um, it's an Aaron Sorkin-ish kind of space. Sorkin does this too, although when Sorkin does it, it's mostly with this um, beautiful musical dialogue. It's almost like a, a musical theater, you know, thing. So with Sorkin, I, I have a lot more forgiveness for it than with uh, with Whedon. Um, but Whedon um, has this this ability to like really overcook the dough when it comes to the way that he writes and he and that whole run for Xander was super overwritten yep and you can hear Nick Mm -hmm. Brendan reading like you can hear him yeah reciting these words that have been written for him to say it does not feel like something that just occur to him to say Um, right yeah you know which is not to say that all dialogue needs to be naturalistic Mm -hmm. dialogue no um but it doesn't it doesn't work for me and it really it's, doesn't it's work for me overcooked it yeah. doesn't work for me as coming from xander especially mm-hmm. yeah but yeah no you know i can see that. that's just me that's just me i can see that I we can are see gonna that. we're gonna butt heads on xander lots of times i suspect um, that is totally fine as long as you know like we we both like i just want one of us to love everything at some point like when we both hate on everything <laughs> <laughs> we both hate oh, on the same for thing. Sure. I always like, feel bad I try because so. we're taking it down. Yeah, I am here with all of the Maggie Walsh love forever. Good. And ever. I'm so glad Amen. because I, I hate her. her. I love so her so much. much. <laughs> oh, good. I'm so glad. Um, okay, so one thing that I do love, though, of course, is Rope Giles. <laughs> I squeed on your behalf. I was like, oh, my God. I was like, Giles in a robe. And then I was like, oh, is he only wearing a robe? But he had pants on. He had like pajama pants on. Yeah, it was a little bit disappointing. But I love the fact that he's got a hot friend in from out of town for some great just friends sex. Like, I think that that's fantastic. Go, Giles. She's beautiful. She's British. She's smart. She calls him Ripper, but doesn't know that he's a watcher. So knows that he has a dangerous background, but doesn't know that he's a watcher because they they keep the fact that or, Buffy's the slayer from her. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little bit. It's a little bit weird. But I love Olivia. I wish we got more Olivia. I know. I know. I we mean, don't get near enough. I think we get her in this and we get her in Hush. And is that it? I, I think, think that's, that's all we get. It. I think but that's it. Nice. I don't think we see her I again. like her, though. I like her. And, you know, goodness knows we could use, like, some characters of color in here. It would have been nice if she had been, like, a bigger part of the story. But right. at and least she's there. Yeah. <laughs> at least, you know, at least we get that. Yeah. Um, it's something. Um, I love Buffy's discomfort about Giles having sex. And he's like, what? I can't have a private life. And she goes, no, because you're very, very old and it's gross. You know, <laughs> I that is one of my favorite lines in the whole series. It is so fun. <laughs> you're very, I'm very old. old. <laughs> I just I love I love her 
this is a bad time. Is this a bad time? This seems like a bad time. (laughs) And Giles is like truly baffled. He's like, Mm -hmm. what are you talking about? No, Mm -hmm. like you clearly came to see me for some reason. Right. Just because I'm here in my robe, freshly smelling of the sex I had with this beautiful woman. Like, let's not. Let's not address that. Let's just be cash. Right, right. Because we're all adults here. It's cool, you know. <laughs> I love that. Oh, I love God. that that whole scene. It's so, so much. fun, and I'm so glad that Giles is getting some. I think that that's good. Mm-hmm. Giles is a lovely, beautiful, healthy man. If he was not having sex, there'd be something wrong with the world. Well, that's a waste. <laughs> You know, assuming that that is something that he wants to be doing. It's not, you know, sex is wonderful. I see you, my my asexual friends. I love you. Yes, (laughs) you are wonderful and beautiful and valid as well. Exactly, exactly. But but Giles needs to be having sex. I'm just anyway, um... so that you can have a rich fantasy life. I understand where this is going. Like I, it was purely purely for me, just for me. Giles needs to be having sex. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. And that is the joy of fictional characters. That is that is the joy of fictional characters. Um, so there are only a couple other like tiny things. Um, there's this. Oh God, I don't know if this hit you in the gut the way that it did me but when they were buying the books and Buffy says can't wait until mom gets the bills for these books yes. I hope it's a funny aneurysm yep. um, oh god oh god because oh. of course it is a brain aneurysm that that eventually that kills gets Joyce, Joyce. Yeah. oh yeah. god it's so awful and I hope it's a funny aneurysm oh my god so like yeah this is one of those things that in the moment that it was written you know, whatever. But that line is never going to be funny. That line is yep. never going to be enjoyable. That line is always going to be terrible. Um, so, yeah, so that kind of killed me. Then there's the the quick, she answers when she's home. She answers the phone. There's nobody there. That, of yeah. course, is a reference to Angel season one is starting right now. And in uh, Angel, the first uh, episode of that called City of, City of he yeah. calls her and you hear her answer the phone and he just hangs up. And it's just so sad. Yeah, and I genuinely was like, what the fuck? Because I completely forgot about that. Oh, so you didn't know what it was. Yeah, it is. I'm like, It's an extra textual moment, you know. It's not supposed to be like, I was trying to make it make sense, and then I figured it out. I was like, all right. Because, of course, Angel, you know, and we know that Angel has been on Buffy's mind. um, Because, I mean, I love actually the opening shot where we see the angel in the cem- the angel statue in the cemetery yeah. and then Buffy's profile comes in and just eclipses that and we have mm-hmm. her in close up for the shot and it's just kind of this nice visual yeah. cue that like that's where her head is that her head mm-hmm. is with Angel and then of course when she goes to the bronze she sees the dude with the profile that reminds her of Angel and there's this yeah. moment of like is it him? No Aww. it's not you know yeah. she's feeling really she's feeling so really sad. isolated and mm-hmm. he is the person who generally speaking she yeah. would go to especially with these like you know this this vamp situation on campus mm-hmm. because of mm-hmm. course angel would know what to do about right. sunday and these ridiculous vampires who i love so yeah. very much and we haven't I talked know. about oh my god we got to talk about sunday oh my god i love sunday i love Catherine town as sunday i think that she's fantastic um and we only have her for this one episode but i always remember her Yes, she is. She is absolutely delightful. I love her so much. I love mm-hmm. her whole mean girl yeah. thing. I love just it's great. It's great. Everything about everything about Sunday is wonderful. Um, yeah. You know, even her even her fat shamey bullshit. Even her I, fat shamey bullshit. I dig it. I like it. I like it. <laughs> that character i like it from her i like the delivery i Mm -hmm. like her punk goth look i love her just like can't even be bothered with how you know boring all these freshmen are and right you know she is not phased by Mm -hmm. buffy being the slayer she's just like all right cool i'm gonna break your arm (laughs) right like (laughs) and i'm over here like tell me more like just (laughs) yes absolutely oh god so you feel for like the the sassy you know girl vampire the way that i feel about a dark british men right oh yes (laughs) like Mm -hmm. spike and wesley and all of that yes i get it spike dark wesley yeah yeah Mm-hmm. Darla and and Sunday are my Spike I see and Dark that. <laughs> I see that, and it makes this podcast just all the more fun. 
<laughs> Except that I don't get as much of mine as you do of yours. You and don't. that's Well, I don't fair. get any Dark Wesley in, in the Buffy that's podcast. That's true. That's true. I get true. loads of him in Still Dead, the Angel podcast. But I don't get a lot of him here. But I do get a lot of Spike. And boy, am I looking forward to that because it is season four. And this is when this is Spike's run. Four. We're getting it's there. We're not going to see him for a couple of episodes. But we're but, getting there. And I can't Oh, but wait. when and when we get there... Oh. Oh. oh, man. Yes. Hello, baby. But we're not there yet. Noelle, <laughs> in this episode, The Freshman, what are you wearing? Oh, my God. So we talked about new season, new hair. I love mm-hmm. that this is a thing that happens mm-hmm. on Buffy, yeah. that every season mm-hmm. everybody gets new hair. Um, I know. You know, and of course, Willow looks just fantastic. I, I love, love her. her punky hair. I love, I love that haircut. Um, yeah. I'm growing my hair out right now. Maybe I will... You know, Ooh, you take, could do a punky hair. I could do a willow sort of a, you know, thing. spiky, flippy, spiky, thing. Yeah. flippy. Yeah, it's a good, it's it's good willow hair. I like that it's off of her face, so we can see yes. her beautiful face as she's so excited yes. about this whole mm-hmm. enterprise. I talked already about her looking a little bit taller than Buffy. I think Buffy mm-hmm. is wearing flip flops, and Willow's got a little bit of a, a yeah. platform, um, mm-hmm. which of course is so perfect because yes. You know, here she is just so confident and in her element and it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, but and speaking of hair, Sunday's mm-hmm. little hair crown oh, right. is so cool. It's so mm-hmm. funky and like I don't I don't know if that was a thing in the late nineties. Uh-huh. I don't remember it being a thing. But when we first see her in her lair, she's got this headband on. Yeah. And then her hair is long in the back. But then in the front, it's like knotted up in these little tufts that sort of look like mm-hmm. she's wearing a tiara. Yeah. But it's, it's her hair. And I love that as a symbolic gesture that she is, she has made herself she's the queen. The queen. Yes, yes. She's made herself the queen. She's sitting on this this throne throne Mm -hmm. you know just you know we eat when i say we eat she's Mm -hmm. made herself the queen of this frat house castle and of course of course the bad guys hang out in a frat house nothing good ever happens in a frat house nothing good ever happens happens in a frat house Oh, I love our surfer dude, too. Like, there's something about having vampires, because usually vampires are just growly dogs, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, there's nothing to them. Um, you know, we we characterize Spike and Drusilla. We characterize Darla a bit, you know. But, like, but we don't really get characterized bit player vampires. And so it was kind of fun to have this surfer dude, you know, be all like, whoa. whoa. <laughs> <laughs> And that is a bit that is a bit part that I just I always love. Yeah. It, like I I realize that it's it's just the stupidest and it's you know right? talk about lazy writing, right? <laughs> just write a write a like a long hair surfer dude, you know? Right. Lazy writing, but for whatever reason that is a piece of lazy writing that I appreciate. Maybe it's because I'm from Southern California where those dudes exist. (laughs) (laughs) They really do, by the way. Oh, man. Yes, they exist. I believe it. I believe Um, you. (laughs) But yes, I like like a vampire with some something beyond just growly animal. Mm -hmm. Um, Although, I didn't know what to make of the opening sequence with the vampire Mm -hmm. coming out of the ground seeing you know like sneaking up on the girls in this like and the the music is this kind of jaws theme yeah you know riff and and then he sees the the weapons and he's like oh i guess i just won't then yeah and walks away and then buffy's like you know we gotta we gotta pay attention or whatever it was she was saying yeah you know it was basically just a joke cold open you know um all to set up the joke but why? Like, why? Why? Because they're like, not paying attention. Buffy's off her game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Like, I love the. I love the end with yeah. the vamp mm-hmm. getting tased by the commando mm-hmm. guys. And we're like, yeah. oh, holy shit! Game changer! <laughs> game changer! The game has changed. Right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, vampires with personality. More. I want. Yeah. I want. More body diversity among our vampires. Mm-hmm. I want more right. personality among our vampires. Basically, I want, I want the show that is the um, point of view flip 
of right. the Buffyverse. I just want all the vampires. Just like give all me the all the vampire them. stories. Yeah, right. give me all little vampire oh stories. I want a series of vignettes about all these vampires and how they became vampires and like uh-huh. what their favorite <laughs> things are. I don't know. I don't know. Well, we're gonna get we're gonna get some really great vampire stuff with Harmony. Harmony, honestly, oh god, is like my yes, favorite vampire. <laughs> my favorite vampire is Harmony. I love her Harmony so much. Harmony as a vampire really reinforcing the idea that no, the vampire does retain a lot of the original. Does retain a lot of what they originally were. Absolutely. All right. So, Noelle, what is your girl power moment of the week? I absolutely love Buffy's, you know, Princess Bride. I am not left-handed. Oh, right. You know, I only need yes. one moment yes. where she, you know, mm-hmm. turns around and just decks Sunday with her her That's not nice. broken arm. Thank you very mm-hmm. much. Um, and this is so minor, but I love that Buffy can read a map. <laughs> Even if it's just a college campus map. A little empowerment, sure. There's something just great about that where she just sidles up to Eddie and she's like, okay, here's this, here's that. You know, and he's like, I it can't. makes sense though. She always has to have a spatial awareness for yeah. all the fighting that she does. She has to know where shit is. Totally. You know? Yeah. I just I enjoy it. It's a mm-hmm. it's a cool bit of badassery, and you know she's able to I like, like get them where they need to go. Mm-hmm. It's very I like nice. It. All right, Noelle, what's your favorite part of the freshman? My favorite part is Catherine Town as Sunday. I, I love hear her you. so much. I hear she's you. Fantastic. Fantastic. <laughs> what's your favorite part? Oh, God. Giles, when he rushes to Buffy and he says, I know I should be teaching you to be self-reliant, but I can't let you fight these monsters by yourself. And I am here. Point me at the evil. I love that whole thing. I love that whole thing. It is adorable. You know me. I mean, almost always my favorite moment is going to be Giles. Although when Spike shows up, they're going to have to duke it out. But it's always going to be one or the other of them. Because I just, I love, I love Giles so much. I love all of Giles. All right, that's it for today. To join in the discussion on Twitter, follow me at Lonnie Diane Rich and Noel at Noel Aloud and use the hashtag stillpretty. Or you can keep Chipperish Media going to the tune of a dollar a month or more and gain access to the live chat in Discord where you can hang out with Lonnie and me and all the Chipperish patrons who are not supposed to have a private life because they're very, very old and it's gross. You can also show your support by giving Still Pretty a great review on Apple Podcasts or by telling your friends about the show or by dumping a bunch of very heavy books on the head of a floppy-haired douchebag. We will be back next time with Living Conditions, the second episode of Season 4. Until then... We have to kill some cooler people. Will somebody remind me?